You talking to me? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to Best Boys, a film podcast? An amateur film study podcast for the average Joe, the buffest buffs, and the cringiest bingers. I'm your host, JP, and I'm joined by my brother, professional Hollywood videographer. Corey with a story. Back with another... I don't even know. Just good movies again. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything to talk about. That was fine. Oh, I, 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 that was all I had for the bit, for the bit this time. Um... <laughs> I couldn't think. I could. I was just trying to think of a Robert De Niro line, and I just. I, uh, yeah. I, my my new technique is I I try to think of one line from one of the two movies that I can somehow shoehorn into the intro. I should have just said anything about drugs, and it would have worked for Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> Talk about lewds. Oh yeah, lewds. Bring back lewds. Yeah, the the lemons lewds. <laughs> oh man. But uh, yeah, this one was this was an interesting week. This was an interesting. I've never seen Taxi Driver, which I know is a bad, a big bad, a big bad uh, for a film, man. Yeah, it's a big bad, and so that was nice. But I had seen. It's not Wall a big Street bad before. anymore, though. Now you know no. that's what this is all about. No, yeah, to no. be to be growing, you know, growing, or now you just just marking things off the the bucket list. I like to say. Yeah, um, and, and under. Understanding why I have seen something so many times since then. Oh my then god! As, how many references to "Are you talking to me?" were when we were kids? Oh my god! Like yeah, how many I cartoons and like children's yeah. things are referencing? I think about all that that all the time. It's like how much shit when in the '90s was reference like told the kids was just referencing adult shit. It's funny enough, uh, Kylie and I actually watched the Nickelodeon documentary on Hulu, and it goes into that a little bit. And uh, and there's just like because there were so many things you could get away with at the time, you were just you were marketing for two audiences at one. You know, just something that the parents could get a kick out of while their kids were enjoying the show. Um, and it's it is nuts because this movie is not for kids at all, nor do what I think a kid would like it. And early on. It's very slow, but but interesting and good. Is yeah, I think I think it is. It's it's slower than you'd think. It's a definitely a uh, like a slow burn drama for a lot of it, from the majority of it. And honestly, the the tone and pacing of it is very feels very ahead of its time. Um, like I could see people like mm-hmm. Tarantino or uh, whatever, like the, the wave of edgy filmmakers in the nineties being super inspired by a film like this. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely see DNA and Tarantino's work in this movie. Um, and, yeah, uh, for sure. But also, I guess, yeah, let's talk about Taxi Driver first. But before we do that, um, let's uh, talk about our personal, you know, experiences with Marty. Marty Scores, as I like to call him. Scorsese, the Marvel killer, the Marvel hater, uh, <laughs> as the as the young boys might uh, know him as. But he's honestly, he's one of my favorite filmmakers. Uh, and I've seen, we counted before we started the podcast, I've seen 12 of his films, but he has a, quite a uh, extensive, he's a very prolific filmmaker. He's, he's getting up there in age. He's very old now. Um, I believe he is uh, 79. So there's probably only a few more left in him. 
And yeah, uh, I'm surprised honestly he's still making movies of recently. It says he's working on a Grateful Dead biopic right now. And it's like I'm surprised he's got anything left in the tank. But so is Clint Eastwood. Well, he's got he's two. He's got that Killers of the Flower Moon on as as a the movie with Leonardo and Robert De Niro. <laughs> yeah, it's like ha- most uh, most Martin Scorsese movies has at least one of those two in them. Um, I think like good eighty to ni- probably ninety percent of them have one of the two. Uh, but yeah, I- I'm a big fan. I honestly think he's probably um, he's a very formative filmmaker. I know for a lot of people, uh, but it goes back farther. Like a like a, like a, I was I don't know why I always bring up Fincher as my as a formative filmmaker, but I think like this is a guy that you've been exposed to a lot of his films through pop culture. And then you realize that actually he's really good at making films and he's really good at making films that are accessible to the, the regular person. Um, but he also can make things like he's got a lot of style and can make things, you know, at a high art level and, uh, and, and, and whatnot as well. Um, some of my favorites of his taxi drivers, obviously up there. Um, but also I'm a big fan of uh, The Departed. I know that, um, as far as a more action-y one, but I love um, uh, Raging Bull. After Hours is underrated. Cape Fear is underrated. Honestly, I- I've never really disliked a film of his. Um, and then, and so I, I've never seen Wolf of Wall Street at all. This was that was one of the few I had not seen, and. Uh, so I was excited to do that for this. Um, but what about you? What is your experience with Marty? Uh, yeah, I've only seen four. And um, well, I guess now five, including this one. Uh, and it was... Uh, I I was part of the the younger crowd who didn't know Scorsese was until they saw The Departed. And then it became a more of a... I Knowing he's an old guy, but more like like I saw the Departed. It's like, oh, Shutter Island came out. I'll go watch that. Saw that. I didn't see Hugo, but then I saw Wolf of Wall Street and then The Irishman in 2019. But um, so I just had it like that kind of setup at that point where he's doing the little like trying to trick you with the the twists and things with the Departed and Shutter Island, and then Wolf of Wall Street's just fun. But uh, I've always wanted to see Taxi Driver and Raging Bull specifically because that's what everybody I work with and anybody I know always says. Like if you're a Scor- that and Goodfellas, it's like if you're a Scorsese fan, you got to watch like those movies. Oh, really good. Get them, but Goodfellas and Casino, I think, were the first two I'd seen just from growing up, and they were very popular. Um, gangster mm-hmm. movies were very popular growing up. I mean, they have had been since probably Godfather. Um, like that second wave of crime films, mm-hmm. um, and uh, so I like. I think I just thought that he he was just into you know mafia shit. He was just a mafia movie guy, and that was mm-hmm. that. And then I think later I saw I think I saw Gangs of New York after that, and then I saw The Departed, which still all deals with you know crime. And then I think it was, from that point was when I started. I think I went back. It was like, oh, Taxi Driver. Oh, you should see Raging Bull. And then I realized he's much more range than I think a lot of people, um, norm like more mainstream fans or normal fans would uh, give him credit for. Mm-hmm. But uh, all right, Taxi Driver. So this is the second time I've seen this movie. As directed, obviously, by Marty Scorsese, but it's written by Paul Schrader, who is 
Um, we did a, a previous episode on uh, for the card counter and first reformed. He's also uh, directed a lot of films and, and people laud him as a great director as well. Um, but as a writer, first and foremost, and this is the crown jewel um, probably of his career. I think at least until first reformed, um, this was like the thing that he was known for to like, you know, the average Joe and, um, um, yeah, I, I loved it a lot more this time. Um, I loved it the first time I thought it was good, but I think I wrote it off as like, a, it's like a masculinity movie, like, a uh, it's very masculine and aggressive and just angry, angry white boy movie. That's what I thought it was. And like, not in a, uh, a way that like deconstructs and comments on it. Like just you know celebrating white boy anger and violence like something more in like in the 90s there were much more of this kind of thing yeah like and, taking the uh, law in your own hands because you're a strong white boy oh well, and you're just angry you just can't take it i can't take it anymore i'm just gonna yeah. uh like it's like something ultra i need like, to clean up this fucking city it makes me sick yeah but it's like but it's from a positive perspective oh my god i remembered this rorschach and the watchmen movie is the perfect example of the Rorschach yeah. in the comics is like Travis Bickle. He's a piece of shit. He's a ra he's a racist and a homophobe, and uh, but he does fight crime. But he's hardcore conservative, and like to the point of like Ayn Rand shit. And in the movie, you get moments of that, but we don't see enough of him being a piece of shit other than, like, stealing Al, Al Man's beans. Uh, <laughs> like, he's more just angry and, and angry crime man, a crime fighter. Um, and it, it kind of sanitizes the nuance of what makes that character so good. And I think Tra so Travis Bickle versus... Because I'm like, this is the perfect for example for you. Uh, or in the, yeah. And maybe people at home. Because like, we talked about Joker also a little bit before this. And I think that's a uh, an example of being influenced by Travis Bickle's character, but not taking like the depth, the, the same level of depth from it. And, and Travis is, like at first you think that he's, you don't know what to think of him. He's quiet, he's, he's, he's lonely, he's in his head. And then we slowly learn more and more about him as he descends into himself and... Uh, and, uh, you know, the movie might end with him being lauded as a hero by the public, but we know the real Travis Bickle that, you know, has, is, wants to assassinate governors and uh, be creepy to ladies. Um, that part confused me in the movie, too, because I didn't really, I, I felt like he had a good experience with the little senator, the senator governor guy in the cab but was it just wanting to kill him because betsy i think it was just down? because betsy uh when like Ri me and Riss talked like, about this. her hope yeah so i don't know if we want to jump right in into the heart of it um or if you want to talk about a little at surface level but um i took that I, at, I took that as yeah he was just so mad and dejected about um betsy that he like focused his anger on the thing that she revolved her life around. But Riss brought up a point of like that it might be because he's a part of the establishment and a part of this the you know the the city, the what makes it so gr terrible to him and disgusting to him that maybe he would be that he would be doing the the world a favor by killing him. Um, just like in the end, he thinks he's doing the world a favor by killing the pimps. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, I, 
I thought it could have also been in that car ride conversation uh, when he asks, or when he says, you know, what would you want fixed or whatever to 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 Travis, and he's just like, oh, you know, it's, it's place makes me sick and needs cleaned up, blah, blah blah blah. He's going on his little rant, and then the the politician's response is just, well, um, you know, it's going to take a lot of work to do stuff like that, and then it cuts back to Robert De Niro for a second, and it just the look he gives was like, a, oh, maybe he took it as, like, he's just a phony with words. Like, he doesn't actually mean the same thing. Like, he's not actually for what I'm but, but for. I, I, I see, I I think that, that is very, I could see that. I could see that. Um, but maybe I also, an, an amalgamation of all of it. Well, yeah, yeah. I But I feel like um, that uh, the, I think that the, the Senator Palantine was, like, put off by what um, Robert De Niro said, Travis said, because oh, it was, like, sure. very extreme. Like, we need to just... Mm kill all these people that's the kind of rhetoric that hardcore yeah. conservatives use to be like we should just kill homeless <laughs> are they like we need to clean up the streets and it's this vague thing but what is cleaning up the streets usually um consists of removing the undesirables yeah you know, the, the, whether it's homeless or sex workers or mm. you know drug um drug dealers or whatever and yeah. uh so i like i think there might be a little bit of that both of that but like he seemed like kind of so Travis is definitely uneducated, um, and he has ideas of what, but he doesn't understand a lot about the world. Um, he he served in the military and was honorably discharged, um, but he I think they ask him about his education, and he just says like this and that, or here and there, or something like that. And anytime he's asked to express uh, an opinion on something more complex like politics or society. Or um, or music even like he doesn't listen yeah. to music he doesn't watch regular movies um, he just watches porn um, yeah and it's weird bizarre bizarre and uh, like he's he's lacking in social skills he's not fully developed socially and like his idea of cleaning things up just seems simple to him like. I'll just kill them or, or lock lock them all up and and like this was a sentiment I think back it still is today but but I think there's a lot more people that understand like you need to help people and not just yeah. lock, put them in prison or or kill them or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, there's a, a lot of nuance to the story and just you're learning more and more about Travis and honestly it takes to the point of the date with Sybil where he takes her to the porn theater, Sybil, her character is mm-hmm. Betsy, um, that we don't, I honestly don't think anything bad about Travis. Like, yeah, he's weird. Yeah. Like he's weird, but it's not until that point in the movie where it's revealed like, Oh, he's fucked up. Like we do know he goes to a porn theater. So he's, he's might be like horny. And, and he talks to that, the, the attendant at the porn theater, a little weird, creepy, I yeah. would say, but that was just the only thing we got. And then, and it wasn't until he brings her there and you're like, oh no, oh no, don't do this. And it goes how you would think it would go. And he just doesn't understand. Like he's completely detached from that. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, it definitely shows that there, he is mentally on like, I don't know, unstable. There's something wrong mentally, whether that be handicapped or from PTSD, um, because he just keeps saying, it's like, oh, I don't follow movies as much. I see couples go here. So I figured it was. You know, this, this is what couples do. Um, very, like, just not knowing why people are doing things, just seeing people doing it. And like going through the motions. 
Yeah, yeah. But he wants to fit uh, in, but he doesn't fully understand how to do that. Yeah. Um. Um. And I guess that just kind of sets him up for on that path of uh, of of because he continues just not understanding anything. Everything. It's like, what? I was a nice person. I was. I did the right thing. Why does this like this isn't working or whatever? And then with Betsy, it inevitably drives that anger and directed towards the Paul, uh, Palantine. And then later with the prostitution stuff. Um. Yeah, it's kind of like I don't. I I felt bad for him until he started going on like the my body is a temple workout stuff and then he started, then he started going, to like, realize where it was going yeah, like, yeah. I was like, oh no this is this guy's about to go and shoot up a theater <laughs> so i think that's right i mean there's two things that make this movie i think incredibly relevant and powerful to today the first is what you're just about to say that this is a profile of a mass shooter and he yeah. might not have been a mass shooter and a, and like that's the thing that makes the movie's ending so crazy it's like knowing that he could have easily been a columbine or mm-hmm. or an aurora colorado or whatever and instead he's a hero because of just the the <laughs> a weird you know he got chased off of the one th- murder he's going to commit and yeah. he commits a different murder and it is like that you know side of the coin and obviously the pimps are terrible and but there was a better way that it could have you know could have happened than traumatizing poor Jodie Foster. Um, yeah. So that's what I was gonna say the the school shooter incel thing. Like we've have a lot more discussions about this kind of psychological profile. I think today and um, a, one thing that is missing from this movie that would be a part of today is I think uh, the internet. Um, and incubating uh, a personality like this, where you could go out, you could go to 4chan and find other people that feel like this. I'm disgusted. You, the degeneracy. Yeah. I'm disgusted. And then they, then you can be manipulated by the propaganda, the internet propaganda that that is literally mm-hmm. designed to um, kind of harness those uh, anger, angry male feelings. Yeah. Um, so the other thing, and I'm going to pass it back to you, but the other thing is the Jodie Foster storyline of Iris. Um, Jodie Foster is 12 years old in this movie. The actress is 12 years old in this movie. Um, oh. It's a really good performance. Um, and I read some interviews from Jodie Foster because one thing me and Riss brought up is, you know, is this um, sexual exploitation, even though it's being used to tell a story of, of caution and and awareness like is she old enough to be to understand what she's doing in these situations like the the sexual scenes and the way she's dressed like her shirts are like see-through her pants are like see-through um like i've not seen a child sexualized in a movie um like this at least in recent the one that i've seen in recent time um and uh so like, there's that but uh, jody foster in these interviews was like you know i had been acting for a while at that point i'd actually been doing more she had been doing more movies than robert de niro and uh martin scorsese by this point she was more experienced in hollywood um and she said that she had a really good understanding of separating c- characters from herself mm-hmm. and you know like and that sort of thing, and that she doesn't, you know, look back on it negatively in any way. And actually, she's very proud of that movie and how it has um, raised awareness on sexual trafficking of underage women mm-hmm. and um, and those kinds of things. 
Um, and uh, yeah, so those two sides are so. This movie feels very real um, to this day, and like even the performances are really good. And like I would say, you know, the only thing that dates it is like sport, like the '70s pimp archetype, versus like you know where it's the like mm-hmm. uh, you know fun- hip funky guy with the big hat and the and the nice shoes and pants and stuff. Like uh, the I was thinking about that. Like a lot of our idea of the classic pimp comes from mm-hmm. the '70s. Um, but yeah, what did you think about all that? Uh, the social it, aspects. I see. I didn't really. I didn't think she was twelve. Uh, like actually, actress. Usually, you, you just get so used to they're just they older and they play down uh, to the age. But um, that's interesting. Yeah, they would thought, not have I, done. I don't think they would have done that today. Yeah. Um, I, I, Maybe the Safties or something. <laughs> I, I was say so I, I feel like that someone could get away with that, but maybe shot in a way differently so that like the kid is not in the room. Honestly, I feel like there's there's action movies that have kids where there's stuff blown up. Well, that's it, there's violence. It's not, yeah. as, re- it's not as real of a subject matter. Well, I just might blowing stuff up isn't just like like a bloody action sequence. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting because the you essentially put her in this room that it gets coated in blood wall to wall. Um, the character the, you're talking about, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Because okay. they're, they're screaming everywhere, and then you have well, also just the actors being 12 years old and having to be in that and know that. It's I, 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 the violence, I'm not so worried about. It's more just the she had to like mime like she's gonna suck Robert De Niro's dick. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I mean that whole. Thing I, too. That, that was yeah. mainly the, honestly like that was really the only sexual act we see her do, and then like sport. Yeah. Like does the lovey dovey scene where he tries to get her to say, but like we don't see her do a lot. But there was just her pulling down his fly, which fun. Uh, real quick, I pop a video fun fact. Uh, found out that Jodie Foster said in that same interview that actually Robert De Niro had to direct her in that scene because Martin Scorsese would just like tell her to do something sexual and just like laugh and like not be able to like to handle it. And that he had wasn't uh, experienced at the time, and just like asked Robert De Niro to do it. And apparently, Robert De Niro, when he was young, was a lot more quiet and a lot mm. uh, weirder, is what she said. Um, and oh, that was geez. it. But she didn't say it was bad. She just said that, like that's like how it was. Wow, that's very wow. That's very interesting. The um, yeah, I, I, and how do you handle that? Especially when sets are it's even to this, to this day, but especially back then, just very male dominated. And back in the time in the seventies, where it was just like people are getting away with anything that's got to be uncomfortable that's got to be yeah it sounds like it wasn't comfortable to shoot but it but jody foster is very adamant that it was not uncomfortable for her gotcha well that's good then i guess it's as long as she feels oh no i i don't want to even dwell on that i wanted to really talk about the the, the the things that make it relevant to today the sex traffic the underage sex trafficking and the incel school shooter psychological profile being or yeah being profiled here yeah i mean like it just it just seems like this is the stereotypical route that at least has been paved from how many school shootings and stuff it seems to be you know somebody who's uh feels like nothing's going their way or it's like the the r slash nice guys thing of just like i did everything right and nothing's still working for me but this is like yeah incel yeah voluntary celibate shit yeah, and this is just this feels so much like the the blueprint of that um, before it had a term. Back then, it would just have been, I guess, just a psycho uh, 
I don't you know. Didn't, you didn't have school shootings. Yeah. Like, I mean, they, no they, one would think there were that, shootings, but they weren't like this, like today, uh, today yeah. where they're much more um, frequent. Yeah, it's almost like if you you look at this as just like if it would have been taken seriously for like this kind of thing, and or you could even use this movie as an example of just kind of like how to identify and kind of now because he even does go to the wizard halfway through the movie and says like yeah man I just I have thoughts and I want to just kind of go out there and you know do a lot of damage essentially and it's just like brushed off like it's no big deal so it's like oh no you'll be fine you'll be fine I've also the wizard fine. Peter Boyle. He's probably one of my I'm favorite characters in the movie. Uh, do you know? Uh, do you know who he is? The wizard, the actor. Uh, this is I not a quiz. Just asking. Um, no, I don't, I don't he is Ray know. Romano's dad, and everybody loves Raymond. And, oh wow! And he is Frankenstein and young motherfucking Frankenstein. Really? But you know the scene wow. where he dances and he grunts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Peter Boyle. Wow. Yep. Wow, what what range? You see grunts putting on the ritz. Putting on yeah. the ritz. <laughs> yeah. Um that's Peter Boyle. I am never I he's really good. Really good. I really enjoyed the that actual speech he gives um mm. Travis. And it didn't help him at all. Travis uh does not have character development in this film. Um and I no, you think anything, that he does at the end. You think that he does at the end with Betsy, and then it's like mm. Um, nope. like he just like gets uh, anxious and looks at the rear view mirror and he starts looking around and, and getting all wild again. And, um, I read a thing from Martin Scorsese that said that like that was supposed to in Paul Schrader that said that was supposed to represent that he literally is the same person he was at the beginning of the film. Because in the very like, end, after he drops off Betsy, it's like the sequence is very similar to mm-hmm. the intro. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it, um, the music heightens a little bit more and he does the real quick movement again. But the, uh, the he yeah he feels justified it because he was pr- uh, praised and not validated. charged with anything yeah validated in his actions and in his feelings so of course mm-hmm. he's not gonna if anything he thinks he's Batman now you know like he's just gonna these are my this is my city these are my streets he's and I'm gonna my, clean them up yeah he's Rorschach he lit, like know? I want uh, I'm curious to talk to Alan Moore about uh, what he profiled Rorschach off uh, after if it was just conservative people he knew cranked up to 11 uh or what because yeah. alan moore is a huge anarchist um yeah um but all right so i think um a couple what did you think about the score because i wanted to talk there were a couple I, things that stood out to me about this movie the score was one of them yeah i have it and i don't know if yours is a good or a bad I feel like you could take those those music breaks where it just kind of stops the action like it's transitioning in a play and you have the music the 70s it's style very music old it's very, yeah it's very of the time and everything but it's man like you could strip that out you could strip it out and it would feel like a modern movie the way this whole thing shot and the look and performances and everything That's what I, I said I really to like I said that to Riss I was like I think that the score really dates, dates it, it. Yeah. um but but also, she was trying to say like it was maybe that it's intentional that because um, movies were going away from this, and there is a point where it's like three fourths through the movie where something happens, and all of a sudden an actual pop song plays, like a like a I don't I looked it up, but it was like a just you know guy playing guitar and singing, and uh, like that's the only point in the whole movie where it's not an, like an orchestra, like there's a lot of horns. It, it's kind of noir, like a mist, like yeah, noir yeah. mystery, 
Um, and then this movie is straight. It's not black and white, but it's very noir. If you think about it, the way the ending is and how slow the slow burn and how it's kind of, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I could, I, maybe that's what it is that, like, because I, I thought the exact same thing. And by the end, I liked it. The score is also mixed very loud. Um, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's just cause of the, you know, she, I don't have TV speakers, but, uh, I thought that it was very loud and in your face, but the dialogue of the actual movie is very quiet, and uh, in, there's it's like a lot of intimate scenes. And I thought that was a really interesting contrast, the, like big, big score with such a small feeling movie. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's probably representative of just like the um, just the dread and the because that you I could I agree this is very noir feeling. Uh, it's almost like a um, it, it's a mystery <laughs> episode, or episode a mystery movie in the sense of just not of what crime there is to solve but just what crime is this guy going to commit and it's just kind of figuring out when he's going to strike why he's going to strike um you're just trying to understand what's going on beneath the surface and maybe the music's supposed to represent like it's a he's quiet on the surface but there's so much noise inside of him like they're Mm -hmm. like um like the, the music's supposed to represent how he's feeling and how or not just him but like um like yeah, what's going on in, in his inner monologue? Because he's very withdrawn. He's very he dis to the point of disassociation. Um, yeah. There's scenes when he's talking to the other cabbies and they're trying to talk to him and he's like not even present. Um, yeah, which is wild because he he keeps his journal or his diary that he's uh, that he narrates throughout the film and it's he has a lot to say. He just is. I assumed it was from the insomnia. He just can't keep it together. Um, when he's around people and he just has these brief lucid moments in his diary to himself daily or just when he's at home. I also wanted to point out the the hypocrisy and obviously he has the moment where he's like, I'm going to eat better and take care of my body and all that shit. But, um, he takes drugs. He's an alcoholic. Um, like he takes those pills. We don't know what the pills are. Um, but um, he takes some kind of pills. He doesn't take them before bed though. He just takes them. Uh, he takes he takes pills. He drinks. He eats fucking terrible. So, did you notice what he was eating in that c- cereal bowl the one time? Though while he watches TV, uh, uh-uh. it's torn up white bread, <laughs> milk, and in, in a, that big box that I thought was cereal that he was pouring into the bowl is just sugar. It's just oh fucking. Sh- he's just eating white bread, milk, and sugar like a child. Because one, he can't cook, must not be able to cook and take care of himself. But also, he's just, you know, like I'm, he's single and he's living on his own and, uh, yeah, he's just eating whatever he wants. But he's, he's, he's eating terribly. Um, and he's oh, he also he... poured peach schnapps into the same bowl. Oh, gross. Yeah, disgusting. Ooh. Uh, let's disgusting. say every time he's out with anybody, he's having pie and coffee too. You never see him eat like a normal meal. He eats a lot of sugar. Uh, um, everything he eats no. has sugar in it. You're right. Oh uh, yeah, uh, this movie did put us on to people eating cheese with pie. A slice of cheese on top of your apple pie is apparently a thing. That doesn't sound like it would go well together. No, but I love mac and cheese and applesauce. So that's the, that actually that's makes it. a lot of sense. Yeah, that's it. No, that's, that's sweet and salty. It cracks the code. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm in. Mm-hmm. I'm into it. Bring it on. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, but um. Uh, did you feel now me going into this? I, I I just wrote down slow question mark because I don't know if I if I if I felt it was too slow or if it was fine. 
because uh, I, I love the movie, but the pacing of it kind of there. There are moments when it dips into those just kind of when the music comes in. It it just it, I immediately felt all right. Well, I can just like you know relax and stop paying attention a little bit until like dialogue comes back in because it's usually just kind of like those. Uh, while the music's playing, it's just these like little transitions of just like uh, New York City and the, the close-ups from the cabs driving and stuff. And um, I, I, it felt like a play in those kind of aspects of of, uh, of transitioning. But everything, anytime in between that, though, I was just so interested and invested into it. And I, I think you're supposed to immerse you out. into this immerse you into this world. I never felt it was slow at all. The first time I watched it, I didn't realize that it was uh, like a a slower burn drama. Uh, so I think maybe that was my expectations, but this time around, I didn't think it was slow at all. Um, it was just, yeah, everything led to the next thing, and by the time it ended, it was, you know, it was time for the ending. Um, no, I didn't think it was too long or anything like that. It's just under two hours, um, and I think it's a it's a well paced um, film. I don't think there's anything that you could cut. I don't think it's all built to the story. I really like yeah. the little um, when he picks up passengers and it's more so in the first half, but he'll pick mm. up a passenger and you have like this little one off scene. And sometimes it, do it just doesn't really add to the plot. It's just like part of the, the vibe. Um, but mm. then there's the scene specifically with this man with a beard who is actually Martin Scorsese himself. And he's talking about his wife and, and how he's going to kill her with a 44 Magnum. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that in that moment, that is what inspired Travis to get his own weapon, uh, to get his own oh, guns yeah. and do the same. And, you know, um, like he sympathized with this man, um, mm -hmm. even though this guy was crazy and a piece of shit. <laughs> like, yeah, your wife sucks for cheating on you, but you shouldn't talk about blowing up, blowing up her pussy with a 44 Magnum. Yeah. Um, and then just, yeah, it, the whole thing was just very, because he said, because Robert Neer looked uncomfortable with it at first, but then it just kind of like, it felt like once he got it, you could see it in his eyes. He's just like, and he's yeah, like, maybe this is the right thing to do. Um, know, he is being, this is, this is what I should be doing. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. the movie in turn, the movie does take its time in, in parts, but I think that just builds to this vibe, the whole vibe and like this, like why, like we're getting um, a lot in the first half is like what it's like to be a taxi driver at night. And he talks about, mm -hmm. I got to clean the cum off the seat, the back seats after the shift and mm -hmm. like um, the fucked up people that you get and you get some examples, but, um, but, uh, but yeah. Um, I don't know. I did. Yeah. I liked it. Uh, especially this time. I thought it was really, really, really good. Um, yeah, it was, I agree. It was, pleasantly surprised slower than i thought it would be just based on going from what i've heard with and stuff everyone just hypes up as being awesome uh but never no one's really explained to me why they thought it was awesome other than just it's a good movie but uh definitely got to have seen it and would watch again the only things i knew about this movie before i watched it the first time were are you talking to me in the in the mirror yeah and um and at the end, when he's got the mohawk and he's covered in blood and he puts uh, the finger guns up to his head and, and goes, mm. like, I've seen that picture before. But that was really, really it. I knew Jodie Foster was in it. Oh, also, I wanted to say about Jodie Foster and about the movie in whole, out of a whole, as a whole, relating to the incel stuff is do you think this movie is inspiring 
to those kinds of people there are a lot of people that do not get the nuance and and i think this is the this is the distinction between joker and, and this is that mm. people walk away from taxi driver not understanding that travis is evil and a bad mm. guy and a bad guy and not to be lauded or celebrated but they get confused by the 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 public you know celebrating him in the end but i mean if you that it's literally it's we're literally trying to tell us that he's bad he's an evil person the whole fucking movie and it's supposed to feel mm. confusing after that like well, well you're supposed to question it but but you and you know that this is wrong that he's not in prison and um i think with so people do you think that that inspires the a travis bickle type the incel would would find solace in a character like travis bickle uh i think you could years ago i could see that but i feel like with all the more common knowledge about this kind of stuff now i would probably say not i'd say with they would look for something more like let's well, think because joker got kind of ripped a new asshole for like even before it came out about being this like it's going to be this incel inciting wave of violence from this movie i'm, I'm not talking things. about the actual violence but like people thinking that glorifying travis as a character oh, oh that's what i'm talking about like that's it's like people having that there was that fear when joker was coming out people were going to but people did do that joker. people did um, do that and do do that <clears throat> like there's like yeah. that like there's like a um, there's more characters than just this i think of the guy from clockwork orange the main character or like mm. uh tyler durden from fight club yeah um, yeah like tyler durden from fight club is not good he's <laughs> not a good character like he's not a good guy um, he's the bad part of this person's psyche um, that mm. is telling him to kill people and uh, blow up anarchy, whatever. Um, and there's good things about him, but it's not a good character. And it's not what say the movie's not saying that's what you should do. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think I that people walk away from these movies like it's like Warhammer. Like Warhammer has cool shit in it, but like I think the the main army is cool, but they are evil. Everyone is evil in Warhammer, you know, but I can still think something's cool. And I think there are people that lose that nuance. They don't understand that something is evil and still can be like not, uh, interesting is, is a better word than cool. Maybe. But, uh, yeah, you know, the, you, yeah, you, I, no, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm on the, we're on the same page. Um, but I don't, I think, yeah, I, I, early, I would say like a, even like 15 years plus yes to people being inspired by the taxi driver like certain people a very select certain people being inspired by taxi driver into thinking like that's the protagonist that's the cool guy i'm the protagonist that i should do these things um but i think less it's been people so people do that with joker though people do that with joker. Well, yeah well that's what i was saying it was like it's been so even now that like joker came out and there wasn't a, uh, any mass things to come out at yeah. just being all hype before it came out and the movie ended up being just you know okay um so i think and because so many people identify that character trait that archetype of a person now that it's kind of harder to walk away from a movie feeling that way now i feel like it's more like you were saying earlier with like the incubation on like 4chan and stuff is where they're now just finding hive minds of like-minded people to fuel their shit rather than taking their inspiration from from a movie uh, I, but I think it's all part. I think it's all part of it. I I do think it's part of it. I'm not saying that these movies. I'm not saying Taxi Driver is bad at all because the the message of the movie is that it's bad. But I think that these other kinds of movies that just indulge the 
male fantasy, Joker is one of them, or like falling down um, or mm. something. I think the message is a lot more, is just not good. It's not, it's glorifying that character more than being yeah. uh, a nuanced cautionary tale. Um, and I think, and I, yeah, just because, yeah, I think that it still has influence on people and like the, like the Joker as a whole, um, like even before with the Heath Ledger's shit, like people were already like building up this idea of this character that isn't even actually what the character is. Like, you know, the whole like society thing. We live in a society. <laughs> Like that joke thing. That is yeah, literally yeah. the kind of per- Travis Bickle is a we live in a society motherfucker because he's too dumb to understand the real nuances of how society works. So it just boils yeah. it down to this buzz phrase that means nothing. I'm gonna clean the streets or whatever it is in these other movies. Yeah, like ta- that's Taxi Driver is is above the above these other movies that we're talking about because it is aware of that and is it is like commenting on that where these other movies are just there's there's less nuance and it's more about like glorifying and being edgy for edge's sake i love edge you know this you know this um i would say i would say with the clockwork orange though the the main guy he at least gets his just desserts at the end um between like all, all of his all he jumps out the window and dies at the end of the movie. No, he oh no, 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 no! You're right. Yeah, he does the thing. The book, back in the, the book, he gets his just desserts because he learns his lesson. But the movie, he yeah, uh, he it hits his, he gets hit in the head and the the, the conditioning goes away. Yeah, yeah, and he can be evil yeah. again. Um, oh, I forgot. Yeah, I forgot about that. Um, I love Clockwork again, Orange. Good, also, okay. I uh, yeah, fantastic uh, movie. I because but the characters are pieces of shit. That's yeah, like what yeah. makes it interesting. It's it, like thinking that I want to be like, um, um, I, forget, I I don't know why I can't think of his fucking name, but I don't want to be you know be like these people. I mm. just think that the stories are interesting, and I think Edge is it can be interesting and when used well. Um, and it's not even like I hate. Uh, yeah, like I'm saying, I love edgy stuff, but if it's just like hollow and empty, then it's not really like, or like there's schlock too. I like a good schlock, but, uh, but this is, has it all. This is good. Yeah. This is everything. I, it's just all things that know, know what they are and are self-referential in it. You know, like it's, if you are going into something and taking it, cause that's what Joker is, is going in and taking it too seriously and not understanding what it is. Like the character yeah, it's not wild. fully deconstructed, and it's just like yeah, this but- is an origin story for the Joker, it modeled after Taxi Driver, kind of. And uh, sorry for everybody that we've talked about Joker for this long. Yeah. Um, but it's I feel I mean, like that it it's like kind of unfortunately um, a thing. At least uh, maybe five years from now, when that movie is less talked about. Um, uh, then it won't be. I won't feel the need. But uh, I think it was interesting to to bring up. Yeah, yeah. I, the, the the main difference is that movie feels like a pity party for the Joker, and this one d- doesn't feel like a pity party for Travis. You, at first, but. you think it could be, and then it's like, yeah. no, he's a fuck, and he sucks. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um. Uh. Yes. 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 And that's why it's great. But um, all right. Is there anything else we want to talk about with this? Um, I knew that was the main, the ending thing I wanted to, to deal with. But um, the cast is great. Um, the the score is cool. Uh, you might have issues with it at first, but I think 
when it was all said and done, I really loved it. The writing is really good. Um, the 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 style shows up only in moments. I feel like honestly, in those in between scene things, uh, you see a lot of style and like uh, people walking around and and the shots and and uh, oh, there was like a cool thing with Travis learning how to shoot like at the shooting range and his like the the screen would get really small with just Travis shooting and then it would get big on the target and it would get really small again and go back and forth. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. The um yeah, the, I was going to say there's a lot of stuff that that for its time feels so modern, uh which is what I was I was saying earlier if you rip the score out of this movie it it, it feels like a modern like kind of semi slow burn movie. Um and I think that a lot can be taken from how it, stylistically from how, how it just how to shoot grungy New York in a way that feels raw, but still, you know, conveys a, like an interesting story. Um, the the way this is shot alone, I, it held my attention. Um, I just love the everything is just like dark, gritty, textured film um, for all the outdoor stuff. And then all the indoor stuff is very bleak um run down everything is just shitty and it's just doing it from these perspectives that really show scale like his apartment feels so small and cramped but that's also because the way you know how how they shoot it uh to make it feel that way and i think they did a good job and just kind of yeah, it looks like a studio apartment like it looks like one room like one yeah room. yeah i think it good did a good job of just kind of giving you a, a a sense of the real life scale of everywhere they were in the movie and then then just how the whole story is, is cut and pasted together with the shots just it flows very well it's, it feels like like i said it feels like something 30 years beyond its time oh so this is the I, real quick fun fact and i think we should move on because i just looked at the time um <laughs> The, uh, so the guy, you know, John Hinckley, I think his name was, he tried to assassinate, uh, Ronald Reagan in the eighties and he said he did it for Jodie Foster to impress Jodie Foster because he was obsessed with the film Taxi Driver and with her in it. She's obsessed with her in the film Taxi Driver. Wow. He wanted to impress her by assassinating Ronald Reagan. Wow, he got the wrong thing out of that movie. He just got released from prison, I think, recently. Like a lot, you know, a few years ago. He's alive? Wow. Yeah, he's really into indie rock, apparently. I saw some, a <laughs> bunch of tweets that he's made. Um, But yeah. All right, let's move on. And I just realized that I've had the Wolf of Wall Street on the screen this entire time. Um, so let me give you a quick glimpse of old Travi. Oh, also, the Mohawk was like, this is like... I think the Mohawk didn't become a huge wave until like around this time. Like punk music is late seventies. This movie is 76. Um, and I think that I would not be surprised if this was like ahead of its time in some way, or if maybe they're just connected to like hip shit. So they like knew that, um, the Mohawk was like a rebellious symbol, but I'm curious to know where that all falls. Um, I think they're like the mohawk and his look and stuff is very yeah because he wears iconic. the army jacket is like a lot of of punk scenes wearing like old military shit. Well, he is a veteran, and yeah. that, like I think in the seventies um, you you'd see a lot of people with army jackets because every that was another thing uh, that me and Riss talked about is that in the seventies almost everybody served in the military at some point. Like mm-hmm. you had your generation was in Vietnam. You know, uh, the generation before that was in Korea. The generation before that was in World War Two, and then two generations, a generation before that was in World War One. So literally, everyone had served in combat. It's not even just that they served, 
but like a ton and ton of males had served in in combat scenarios and had seen some shit um and they're just like they're walking around walking around town like oh, i'm a veteran oh me too like like in the earth scene right in the beginning yeah yeah i just thought that was that's, i think that's something interesting to think about of the 70s that's the big difference uh is the veteran storyline it kind of also um rambo the first blood um that's a big part of the storyline is uh, a veteran coming home um from serving and uh like ptsd and those kinds of things uh, but yeah um ready to wrap it up you got uh, any last words before you score this motherfucker um no it's it's good it's really good and everyone should watch it it is a cornerstone of film that everybody should hit at some point yeah uh, um yeah. i'm giving it a five really what you wow. just said it's a cornerstone of film yeah yeah but i i i i didn't think it's a perfect film uh um, yeah it's a perfect film wow i was i was gonna give it a four and a half. Oh, that's not, um, that's not a big deal at all i thought you were you were gonna fight oh no 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 it's just perfect i wanted to give it i went into this with a four um but i how do you go into it oh 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 yeah oh you meant into the podcast i was like you went into the movie yeah yeah honestly the first time i watched it i gave it a four um because i did not like resonate i thought it was just a angry white boy movie and i didn't understand the layers and i could and i think i thought that about like halfway and then i kind of turned my brain off a little more in the second half and i didn't like notice how much how much depth there is to this to this character yeah the second half is 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 really good and it moves a lot better um i just think there's 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 some points in it that kind of slow it slow the pacing down for me and uh and that is really it that just that that's really my only critique everything else i'm really into and it's it's you can just see what so much stuff that was influenced by this way like in shooting and just story beats and stuff yeah, I think uh, yes. I thought I don't think it's slow. I think that's wild, but especially like oh, after seeing other like Paul Schrader films, they're all really fucking like slow. But like you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, it just it's it's his style. It's uh, but something like I didn't feel First Reform felt slow, and I know that has a hell of a lot less going on than this movie. Um, I think they're paced similarly. I would say this movie has yeah more going on than than first reform yeah. for sure. But, I, um, I, hot take, I think I, I hot take I I think I like first reform better personally, but I understand like what this has done. I think first reform is really 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 good, and I think I gave it a yeah. four and a half. Um, I could I mean I don't really that wouldn't make me that doesn't make me angry or anything, um, yeah. but uh, but I definitely think this is a an all American classic. Um, Agree. Up there, it's like a must-watch, and like, like that's the thing—you can't say all these things and like not give it a perfect. If it being, it's a must-watch. It's a cornerstone of film. It's an American classic. You can it's, have those and them still not be perfect. And it's like the incredible cultural impact of this film, and and uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. no, I'm yeah, I'm not trying to talk you up if I've already got you up a half a point from before. But just know that I th- thought it was a four the first time, so I bet you. You'd probably like it more the second time. Yeah, probably. I I, I would watch this again. I, the expectations are what small. got me, and as they as they are one to do. But all right, we got to move mm-hmm. on. So let's go on to the woof 
of Wall Street. The, even though this is a significantly longer film, I feel like I won't have as much to say because a lot of it is the same shit. <coughs> I excuse me. Like I, I had seen this before. I know you hadn't, but I I liked it more this time in a lot of ways, but liked it less a lot of ways this time. Um, uh, as someone who's seen a fuckload of uh, Martin Scorsese movies, it's not my least favorite, but it is far from my most favorite. Um, there are some, some things I appreciate. It is modeled after Goodfellas in Casino. Like, it is that same biopic, like, biopic, like, a thing oh, the, over this dude's whole fucking life, essentially his, his working life. Um, and it takes place over decades, uh, 20 years. And, um, you're seeing the company grow. They get so big. They're living in luxury. The cops come, you know, then you're, you're trying to escape the cops. And then eventually they have to pay the piper and everything falls apart and unravels. And then the movie ends. That is how all of them go. Still good. And it's just reflavoring it. Like, Oh, like this is. Uh, the legal criminals, you know, like the yeah, yeah, the instead of the white underground crime, yeah, it's white collar crime, and I think I do see for its time that's what makes this um, interesting. And, and it, I think as a Scorsese fan, it's like okay, we've done this, but it's just a new, fresh coat of paint. But as a film, uh, uh, you know, as for the genre of crime films, I think this is cool. Um, it kind of in blow. It blow is not a Scorsese movie, but blow with um, Johnny Depp. Yeah. Um, it's very much structured like these kind of movies. Uh, fucking Scarface is structured like one of these movies. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess they're all crime films. Um, this is definitely fits that like beat for beat in a lot of ways. Um, even visually, with like, I, the mansions and the houses look like the same kind of fucking mansions and houses from Goodfellas and from Godfather. And like, I just watched Godfather the whole way through the the first two parts a couple years ago for the first time. I've only ever saw bits and pieces. All of these movies I'm saying are good and worth watching. Um, and so is this. And this movie actually is a lot funnier. Um, and all those movies have some comedy in them. This one has even more comedy, I would say. Jonah Hill and all of his cronies are really funny. Um, they have a lot of jokes. Um, this is the funniest Scorsese movie by far, um, at least that I've seen. Uh, it has the most comedy, the most jokes. It also has a ton of nudity in it, um, which is like it's part of the vibe, the 80s uh, sex, cocaine, uh, and money vibe. Um, but... Uh, but yeah, uh, I like it a lot. Leonardo is great in it. Um, he yeah, is like screaming half the fucking movie. Jonah Hill is great in it. Um, Margot Robbie is doing what Margot Robbie does. I understand this is her kind of breakout movie. Um, I think this was like the movie everyone um, first knew her for. And uh, I understand why she's Harley Quinn because she's the same uses the same voice in this movie. Like, oh, she already talks like her. Let's just yeah. count. She's she's pretty. She talks like her. She can act. There we go. I honestly don't even know if she can act, but she's in. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, the cast, and then beyond that, Kyle Chandler, Rob Reiner, John Bernthal, Matthew McConaughey, John Favreau, um, all in smaller roles, but all good. Uh, I told you his crew is really funny, um, and good. Um, yeah, there's just like ton of people in it. It's an expensive movie. Um, and, uh, but it is a lot of fun. Uh, and that is probably the best, like it being a lot of fun 
is the reason why you want to see it. Uh, what do you think? Yeah. About it? So first time I watched this movie, I like I didn't understand the hype of everyone around me thinking it was so fantastic. Like I thought it was good, but I just kept, I thought it was so long, and the the length couldn't I couldn't get into it. Um, so watching it now, decades later, uh, or decade and a half later, however long, um, I it's movie is hilarious, and I like it a lot more, and I get why it was hyped up as much as it was. Um, the I love just the way that they do the story structure in this, which you said is very similar to a lot of Scorsese's crime drama and stuff. But I like just the self narrator narrating his life from his perspective, kind of. That's biopic. straight out of like, Goodfellas. That's what yeah. what Ray Liotta does. The all of Goodfellas, because you just know that everything you're seeing is just like with a little bit of sugar on top. And it, with a little bit of a wink and a nod to it, and it's just, uh, but it makes it like fun because you're along for the ride, and everything is going to be like big and fantastical and, and just ridiculous. Um, having said that, though, I got to the two hour and eleven minute mark and looked down at my phone and went, "Oh God, I have another hour still." Which, not because it's bad or anything, it's because I like everything that's going on, but it's just kind of like I'm, I've, uh, I, I've, 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 I'm done. You know what I mean? Like I've, I get it already. And the, it, the last, just like the Irishman, the last half hour just feels like one giant epilogue that, that could have been condensed or, or just chopped off here and there. Um, two uh, and a half hours, I think would have been great for this. I watched uh, this in two parts and I think that that didn't wear on me that bad, but I recognized like, man, this is a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and, like, on, and the Irishman was the same way. I didn't care about the length of the Irishman, but I also didn't, I watched it, I think in three parts. Uh, um, I watched the Irishman one in one sitting all the way through. I really liked the Irishman. In oh, Irishman thing, is excellent. It's just long. I had the same, yeah, I had the exact same critique, which is the last half hour of this movie feels like just an epilogue that could have been condensed to five minutes. Uh, yeah, I kept thinking it was going to end, and then it just kept going, mm -hmm. kept going. I mean, I kept looking yeah. at the time, but, um, but uh, yeah, I, I agree. I agree on the time. It's I understand that you like. It's really hard to make one of these movies uh, well without mm. having an extended runtime because it's a you're trying to you know span tell so much story of this yeah. guy's life, and if you don't, if you're too fast, it's like a montage. And it's like hard to, you know, have a cohesive plot. So I, I know all these, I get it. I get it, especially with this one. And I think he really threw the kitchen sink at this one. It's like money wise. And uh, it's his last big movie, I would say. Um, it made uh, triple its budget, uh, over, over, almost quadruple its budget um, yeah, of a hundred million dollars, um, which I feel like for the movie that it is, a hundred million dollars is, is a decent amount. Because it's like most nope, of it's shot too, in offices yeah. and like the parties are probably the expensive stuff, mm -hmm. the boat scene and stuff. Um, but most of it is you know, at the offices. Yeah, it's throwing a lot of money at a lot of actors, a lot of names. Uh, almost every character in this is a recognizable face. In some yes, way or another. yes, yes. I was like, there's like uh, the guy from Silicon Valley has a one. Yeah. He's like one line. The chick from the last season of The Boys is an assistant. The the Nazi from The Boys, uh, season two. Um, there's, there's people all over. Oh, the fucking one of his bo uh, his cronies, his followers, whatever, with the mustaches from uh, that Adult Swim. Your pretty face is going to hell. You know what I'm talking about? It's like I this, don't know that show, but 
I, the the cronies, every one of the cronies I know, like have seen in things before. Yeah, he's the one. He's the fat one with the mustache, the, the sea otter. Um, but yeah, oh has, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen him <laughs> in shows. Man, does he act too much with his face though? In this movie, it was kind of put me off. I'm like, man, your face is moving so much in everything you do, and like it works for an adult swim show. But this is like. It's not full comedy. Like it's it's still trying to be grounded. Um, but uh, yeah, that guy, I like him, but uh, that his face was distracting me. Um, I I could see that the uh, I I just yeah every everybody who they built around Leo for this performance though was perfect, and I Jonah Hill is is and Leo is such a hilarious combination. They have a lot of good chemistry. Time, yeah, at the time, a lot of people probably didn't wouldn't think of but it's uh they just they hit it off so well the funniest one of the the thing that made me laugh the biggest at this movie was the scene when uh they first meet margot robbie they introduce her character and he cuts to jonah they're all fucked up and they cut to jonah hill just jerking off in front of his wife and she yeah. just his wife beats the shit out of him he just like she's so beautiful oh uh, like while well, he's getting beat up he's like you have to fuck her you have to fuck her it's so funny i could not stop laughing um it's just so ridiculous like there's so many moments like that in this movie that are just so uh over the top and, and fantastical in a, in a great way and I, I i think that it has so many awesome moments but uh the my two biggest thing aside from the runtime my other thing is just like i feel like a lot of jokes in this don't age well um the whole scene with uh, about the little person and throwing them into the thing i i felt very hard to watch uh and then the the excessant obviously nudity and everything like of the time it works and there's it, so and much sexual harassment and it's just like normal yeah. like no one res- no one reacts to like uh no, someone it- walking up and grabbing someone's titty like there's yeah. there's like three times in the movie where Leonardo just walks up to a woman and just honks their titty and then just keeps walking like even the scene when he gets uh he gets strapped down into the into the private plane when they're heading over to I think Italy or something they cut to his flashback and he's just uh, humping the shit out of the stewardess and the stewardess is smiling and laughing no like, a little she's screaming no she, she's yelling no she has a smile on her face at the first at the beginning of it and then it becomes more of a distress but even with the little thing like that. It, it is just like adding in to like every, everything, their actions is fine, even though you know they're terrible people, but nobody else seems to really care that they're terrible people. And uh, that I feel like that is, doesn't age as well. At the time, that was, you know, so much of comedy and, and things like that. Were, I don't now, think this is glorifying it. I don't think that, I mean, it is, but I don't think it's like saying this is good. This is, this is an example of the excess of, of the, what they're doing. It's not, I don't think it's saying this is what you should do. I think it's just saying like, like they, like they're also doing drugs uh, from sun up to sundown, and they're fucking in yeah, the offices, yeah. and they're like, they're. It's just a, another example of the excess, and women are treated like shit. This is a guys' club. He says it like how many times? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a wolf pit. It's a guys' club, and like you gotta you know, swim with the sharks and all. It's all that classic guy talk that is. Yeah, n- n- all this shit is so frowned upon now, and even in the twenty, even when this movie came out, a lot of it, you know, definitely is as well. Um, it just goes to show how much has changed um, since you know the nineties uh, in that regard. It's so shocking. Yeah, I yeah it. Um, but it's it's so those are just my two big like. What? Hello. Clubs. Oh, you cut out. Oh, sorry. 
I don't know why, but uh, yeah, the casting in this is is so strong that it kind of it props it up so high, and uh, the way that it's even like cut, while it is a very long movie, everything is interesting, and the way that everything's shot, it feels kinetic and fast, and uh, to keep your attention, um, which is uh, it doesn't it surprisingly doesn't get um, like that kinetic energy doesn't feel draining, but you well I guess it does because you get to two hours in, and I'm I'm complaining about stuff still. Um, I don't know. It's like enjoyable until you've had too much of it, and then you need a break. I I don't I wasn't fatigued by it, but like I said, I did watch it in two halves. Uh, I didn't even it was like an I watched the first hour and then I watched the the last two together. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I was I wasn't really fatigued by it, but I feel like I would have been if I had to watch it all at once, just because I'd be like re- mm-hmm. wanting to do something else. Not because it's yeah. like that's that was my issue. It's not because I'm not enjoying the movie anymore. It's just that this has taken up a lot of my fucking day and uh, <laughs> I want to do another thing in this day. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. It was, it was very entertaining and it's, uh, I think it's, I think it's like right in the middle of, of my, of, of Scorsese movies for me, because it's really uh, an example of, it's a quintessential, you know, Scorsese thing. Like it's got a lot of the right beats. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's long, but it's, you know, it's crime and it does all the things and it's fun and it's, it's really entertaining. I think, you know, this is up there with Goodfellas as like one of the easiest to digest, um, Scorsese movies, um, just because, uh, because of the energy and how fun it is and it's funny. It's the, all the comedy, um, and the ridiculousness. I think it's really entertaining, but it, and that is what makes the three hours able to go down at all. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I could watch this guy make any, he can make an eight hour movie and I'd watch it. Yeah. Well, it depends on which, I watched which the Irishman. Yeah, I could, well, the like, Irish, he just oh, make that hours. longer. Oh. I probably, well, Irishman, I was like, damn near Snyder cut level. I can't believe it. I'm not, I know it's going to come up every so often, but I, Hate hearing you complain about length when you said you liked the Snyder Cut. I like, like the, that's I, such a fucking contradiction, hypocrisy. Bro- Hold on, but having said that, Mister, I watch mo- long movies in parts. The Snyder Cut's broken up. Into I did six it chapters, for this because it, I had to to get it and, to uh, be able to have it done for the podcast. The um, well, no, I'm just saying it's like it, the way it's broken up. It feels more like binging a show for the Snyder cut and like, uh, I didn't think that at all. Just because it has Roman numerals, like they don't even fit up, fit in with the episodes. It's just, it's just random cuts. Like that's what I'm going to do when I stop and the randomly in this long ass movie. Um, the, uh, I don't, I, that, I thought it was a clean four hours, but, uh, this, (laughs) I think was a little long at three. (laughs) <laughs> yeah like everything like when you say things like that and then you follow it with but i had no problem with the snare cuts length why well, didn't just like invalidates the previous statement for me and maybe not for the listeners out there um one day when we have interacting uh fans we'll, we'll uh they'll either let me have it or they're gonna let you have it yeah it's so wild because like i don't know even in my uh my film friends like nobody dislikes the snyder cut that bad but i bet none uh, of them think it's uh, like the the greatest movie ever I no, think neither do i do i think, think it's, it's better I than think the wolf did you like it's better than the wolf of wall street because that because that's where them, we're honestly, at i put them about the same and, and like overall enjoyment. oh it's not even close 
It's not even close to Wolf of Wall Street for me. <laughs> I just overall enjoyment. I I I I'd rather watch the Blade trilogy, all three after another. Hey, hey the first one's good. Second one's the not second bad one's either. good. The second one's good too, and the third one's funny. The third, yeah, the it's third... like the Gremlins two of the Blade trilogy. All right, we are getting way <laughs> off topic. <laughs> Gremlins two, everybody, see it. Um, all right. I don't really know if I got anything else I really want to say about this. It's a lot of fun, a lot of partying, a lot of drugs. And, um, and, uh, if you're into, into, uh, Goodfellas, then you would love this movie. And, uh, and yeah, what are you giving? uh, Say your last words and give me a score. Uh, I was just going to say the, um, I think that, as a filmmaker, what's a testament to Scorsese just looking at these two movies, one from 2006, one from 76, uh, 30 years apart. They both, the way they're shot. 2013. Up, you said 2006. Uh, sorry. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> my bad. Um, so I'm looking at a picture of Scorsese and it said 2006. My bad. Um, the, but they, they hold the way that they're shot. I mean, holds up like Wolf Wall Street looks like it was shot like last year still. Like it, it looks great. Yeah, it really does. It really does. It looks great for its time as well and i I, that's a a testament to either the dps he uses or if it's him himself but knows i'm I'm being the forefront of uh of filmmaking uh when it comes to like shooting and and from a cinematographer standpoint but i'm gonna give it a three and a half uh the the cinematographer for wolf of wall street was rodrigo prieto who did brokeback mountain which he won an academy award for Wow, and those movies look entirely different. That's and, range. Um, you said you're gonna give it a. What'd you give it a four? A three and a half. What? Uh, no, that's fine. I actually, I'm giving the Wolf of Wall Street a four. Um, Interesting. Uh, yeah, I didn't. Uh, it's. I'm surprised you you gave it that low, but. It's not. Um, it's not. Doesn't have superheroes in it, so that's the automatic. No, I like. I think production. I like. I don't know. I think I like the Irishman more than that. I can, honestly, I I don't I don't have a problem with that. Did you like? How about Cape Fear? You didn't really. I've never seen Cape Fear. You I've watched it with the, me. The... Oh wait a minute! That is that the one with uh with Robert De Niro and uh, and and um. We watched it at your Nick house. Nolte. At your, at the, Nick at the Nolte. old apartment. Oh yes. man, I barely even remember that. Yeah, Robert De Niro is weird in it. I think I I think I like Cape Fear more, but because it's weird. But I think that this is a better film. Yeah, um, like my, I would say, like The Departed is, which I know is everybody go to, but that's like uh, of what I've seen of his, I would say it's my five out of five Scorsese. Oh, that, Scorsese heads don't put that near the top. It's the, so good, The Departed. I love The Departed, but Scorsese heads usually give that a four, and uh, and it's not it's not in the top five. Interesting. Um, yeah, oh, so I th- I think it's probably around Wolf of Wall Street. People probably put The Departed. Um, I think well, it's probably well, above I th- it. I think. I I think. The some of Jack Nicholson. So we're gonna have to do it someday because some. But some of Jack Nicholson shit is like hammy as fuck in that movie. I, I don't like know if you remember movie, Jack Nicholson in that movie, but he is ham yeah. boning. He is because it's like the last his last big movie. Yeah, I remember the entire time thinking that man, he seems like because I've seen it a couple times. So- I remember before thinking like, man, he, I feel like he's going to die at any moment. This movie. Yeah. He's still alive. It's like, yeah, he's still alive. That and anger management are like the last couple of movies. I remember seeing with Jack yeah. Nicholson in it, 
But all right, I yeah, I gave Wolf of Wall Street a four. I still think it's good. I mean, like, if I think that this is in the middle of the pack of Scorsese movies, that's gonna tell you mm. of how much I like Scorsese movies, because um, that means there's a lot that are above that. Um, but yeah, um, but that's that's it. That's it. That's the scores. That's our first uh, our first uh, um, venture into his shit on here, and uh, we'll have to do more. Um, yeah, there's so many I haven't seen. <laughs> yeah, so many. you forgot you even saw one. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't even realize Cape Fear. I barely remember it. Uh, Let's see if Nightmare Alley's going to be on streaming yet. Nope. Let's see. I think if, it's still in theaters. Let's see. If, yeah, we could do that, but I don't really want to go to the theater. Red oh, Rocket, boy. is that on theaters yet? There's pre order. It still says pre order. All right. Well, if that's the case, then we're going to have to figure something out again. All right. Brokeback Mountain. Angley. Let's do it. Angley episode. We'll do the Hulk and Brokeback Mountain. We could do Come On, Come On and 20th Century Women if we want to do something new again. Because that is true. Oh, yeah. Come On, Come On is streaming. I've heard good things about that. All right. Like it's, it's it's $20 to, to rent because it's still new. Yeah. Um, uh. But uh, movie night. But yeah, I guess maybe we can coordinate and save. Um, yeah. All right. Well, for now, we'll say that that's what we're doing, um, and then we'll that'll buy some time for next week. Um, thank you all for stopping by and listening to Best Boys. Uh, make sure you follow and subscribe to us and all the things. We're on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, Title, etc. Um, you know, make sure you. We're also on Facebook. And I think I've been debating on making a Twitter and an Instagram just to help promote. Um, but it's like, I don't know if I'll keep up with them. So I don't want to start them. Um, but yeah, make sure you follow some other things. Corey's Corey with a story and all the things. And uh, we'll be back next week with some more flicks, flicking our beans. See everybody later. And also, if you have seen Euphoria season two at all, episode three has a couple shots in there shot by yours truly. Along with check out any of the behind the scenes for the oh, show. Oh yeah, we should have we should have blown stuff that I've shot in there. You should have said that, but, but we did. It just hit me now, so check it out if you made it this far. Uh, it's cool. I'm excited about it. Love working on the show, and excited for season three if it gets if it happens. I think it will, but we'll see. All right. Well, congrats to Corey. We'll see you next week. Um, hope you're ready to do some feelings. Bye. Feel me later.